Amen. Good morning, Moraine Valley Church, and happy Father's Day. And looking forward to just, uh, it's great to have the sun out, and just a wonderful day today. You know, um, men carry a very heavy burden within their soul. They really do. And it often makes them feel a little bit inadequate and maybe even ill-equipped to navigate this whole thing called manhood, especially Christian manhood. There's many responsibilities, many expectations upon a man that we read in God's word, but also we see it that the world piles on <laughs> other expectations for a man. And we often feel like we just can't measure up. Just feel like we just don't have enough to do it. We want to walk with God. We want to display the fruits of the Spirit. We want to be a testimony to those around us regarding Jesus. We want to be leaders in our marriages and in our homes and in our church and in our communities. But this may surprise some of you ladies. We men struggle with sin too. <laughs> And that kind of makes it a little bit difficult for us. We struggle with pride. This is kind of, you know, we all struggle with pride, but men have a little bit of an extra struggle there. Often are impatient. Men can be selfish. And men can be very self-reliant. I can do this myself. And so those things make us very vulnerable. And then you put on top of it the struggle for sexual purity which goes all the way from just when a woman's around, your head may go a little bit crazy, to temptation, to lust, to porn. And so men battle with all of these things as they're trying to be the person that God's called them to be. They give 100% at work. And then they come home and they have nothing left. And now they're put in the place where I'm supposed to be a husband and a father, uh, one of my most important roles, and I'm coming home empty and have nothing to give to it. And then you throw on top of that, that men really have very little idea what it looks like to be a godly man. Because maybe there haven't been a lot of models for us to see that have done it well. We've heard sermons about it, we've read books about it, but to be able to see somebody actually walk it in front of us and say, oh, so this is how it works, uh, that's something we haven't seen often, and so men struggle with that. And let me just throw on another piece. There's a major conflict between what the world says a man should be and what God's word and God's kingdom says a man should be. And so men are just, there's really a lot of weight and heaviness upon the soul of men that make them feel a little bit ill-equipped and inadequate to pull off this thing called manhood. I remember a number of years ago, one of my good brothers came up to me. So after a Father's Day, he says, you know, Pat, on Mother's Day, we always encourage the women and tell them how great they are. But it seems on Father's Day, we're always challenging the men to be better and pointing out where they're falling short. So I guess I'm getting a few, uh, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. 
Matter of fact, I saw a picture on Facebook recently. I thought that, that and I, I thought I saved it. I wanted to find it to show it to you, but this is what a Mother's Day sermon and a Father's Day sermon normally looks like. So Mother's Day, they had a picture of this um, table on a beach. Beautiful water, sunshine, sand, tablecloth over it, couple plates, uh, you know, these cloth napkins. And they had a bottle of wine in the middle with a couple glasses, and that pictured Mother's Day. Then they went to Father's Day, and they showed a picture of a frozen meal going into the oven. <laughs> and sometimes men feel like that when they come to church and find, man, they really took care of the lady. But this year, guys, did you see what we're doing for you? Donuts with bacon on it. Amen. So, I mean, what, how, how much better is that? Maybe I should illustrate that so you know how a man eats a donut for those who may be confused on that. I can show you how they eat too, actually. <laughs> but uh, my wife would appreciate it if I didn't do that. So my goal this morning is very simple. I want to help men. I don't want to put more weight on you guys. I'm not here to challenge you to be a better man and point out every place where you're falling short. I want to bring help to men today where there are many expectations and many responsibilities that are upon them, some help regarding that feeling of being a little bit ill-equipped and inadequate to pull off manhood. But ladies, don't check out. Because the truth I'm bringing to you is gender-free. The application is focused towards men. But the truth is going to help any woman here today that says, you know, I, I, I kind of feel a lot of responsibilities in my life. And you know what? There's a lot of expectations upon me that come from both the world and the Bible. And there's a little sense of being ill-equipped and inadequate in what's facing you. So the truth I have today, it fits males and females, men and women and it's not an issue of uh, just for men. So don't check out with me. Take these truths. And men, we're all in different places. We're in different stages of life. We got different struggles. I'm trusting the Spirit of God will take the truth of God and apply it to each one of us where we are today. So you follow me? Let's jump in. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is the uh, only passage I found that really deals with the issue of adequacy and equipping in the same passage. And adequacy obviously deals with the issue of feeling inadequate, and equipping deals with the issue of feeling ill-equipped. And let me, let me define those for you a little bit further on a PowerPoint that we have. Adequate basically means this. I have the knowledge and the skill to be able to meet all the demands upon me. That's adequate. I got enough. I, I know what I got to do, and I got the skills to be able to pull it off. Now, uh, Ill, uh, to be equipped means this. To provide someone with what they need to make them ready to do what they need to do. Now, this reminds me when I was in the military, we had a branch 
of those that were working in us that were in the uh, equipment area. And so what they would do is you would go over before you go out to the field and you get from them the equipment you need to pull off the job that you need to do. And that's what it means to be equipped. It's the provision of what you need to make you ready to do what you need to do. And that obviously deals with this, I feel ill-equipped. So adequacy is the sense of, you know, what we just saw in equipment. And this passage deals with them both. Listen to it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture, and let me just take a quick break. Scripture, that's writings. Uh, so it means that all the written word of God, it's not talking about God spoke to my heart, God spoke to me. We can't equate that with scripture. Scripture is the written word of God. All the written word of God is inspired by God. It's breathed right out of the heart of God. And it's profitable for four things. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So what we find in this written word of God, it profits us and teaches us men how to be men, reproves us when we get lost in the weeds and we get a little bit off track. I don't know how to get back. Well, the word of God teaches me how to get back and it trains me how to stay on it. The best way I can visually do that is if right down the main aisle is the straight path of walking with God. And so it teaches me how to walk with God. And so I'm walking, but all of a sudden I get distracted somehow, whether by the world, the devil, the flesh, and I go off into the weeds. And I'm not doing this thing right anymore. And what the Word of God is able to do is reprove me and say, Pat, you're going the wrong way. This isn't the way you do it. You're off the track. And so now I've been confronted with, I say, well, what do I do? I'm lost, how do I get back? Well, the Word of God is profitable for correction. So now that I've been reproved, I, it teaches me how to get back on the path. And so now I've learned from God's Word how to get on the path well, man, I'd love to stay on the path. And that's what training does. We learn repetitively how to do something. We're trained and to do it. And God's word trains me so that I can learn to stay on the path and not get off it. So God's word is profitable to do that for us. So that, here's the reason why. Look at verse 17. The man of God may be adequate, have the skills and the knowledge to be able to do what he's got to do, and equipped, have the equipment that's necessary to do what he's got to do for every, every, every good work, every responsibility every expectation that comes our way, God, through his word, makes us ready. He teaches us how to do it. And again, I'm, 
applicational this more to men, women, children, teens. This is true of all of us. God has given us his written words so that we can deal with a sense of inadequacy and be adequate and that we can deal with our ill equipment and be equipped to do anything that God calls us to do. Now, inside this written word are instructions about life and how we do it and tell us about God and uh, about ourselves and about our world. So it isn't just somehow I'm mastering a book, but I'm mastering the truth within this book, this truth about God and this truth about me and the truth about the world and the truth about the devil so that I can be adequate and equipped to be what God has called me to be. So we gain our bearings from the word of God and we are instructed in how to do this thing. And we're warned when we get off the path and we're taught how to get back on the path and how to stay there. So let me start with a simple application at this point, men and women. You know, daily, and uh, we need to be coming to God's word on a regular basis. Now for some, you're gonna say, wait a minute, you don't get it. I do know some, they get up at four in the morning to have to get to work. And you're like, hey, are you gonna tell me I gotta get up and spend an hour in God's word? You know, every morning, that just doesn't work. Uh, there, we're all in different situations. We all have different things going on. For some, it may have to happen at night. For some, it may happen at break time. And now your mothers are going, you don't get what it's like to be the mother of a young child. Uh, well, because my wife was the mother of a young child and I got three daughters that have been, I do get it a little bit. And I know that there's some expectations that a pastor can put on people. They're all feeling, man, how in the world can I do that? I'd recommend, even if it's just getting a three by five card and writing a verse on it that's meaningful to you. And take that with you for the day or for the week and make that the focus of what you're getting from God. Somehow we need to get this book inside of us. It's not just us getting in the book, we need the book inside of us in a living way. And I wanna recommend to you this morning the way that Martin Luther did it. Martin Luther, I mean, he not only trans turned the church upside down, he turned the world upside down. And I remember uh, we know about his method of how he devotionally went into God's word because actually a barber asked him once how he did it. And he um, wrote, him in, wrote down in a letter which we, we get how he interacted with God's word. I've given it the name calling it, he wars through the passage. And um, you may want to remember this war is the first letter of each key word here we're going to go into. But the first thing he did is he studied God's word to get a feel for um, what that text is talking about. Whether he took a verse or whether he took a paragraph, or whether he took a chapter, he wanted to study it first and get the heart of it. And that's what many of us do, but many of us stop right there and we don't go any further. What I love what Martin did was this. Once he got done with capturing the heart of the passage, the first thing is he would worship with that text. Is there anything in this text that I can 
worship God for, for who he is, or praise him for what he's done, or thank him for what he's done for me personally. And so the first thing Martin did is he went back to that text and he worshiped God from the very text he just studied. The next thing is he did this. He admitted, he confessed. God, is there anything in my life that's out of whack with this passage? And what he would do is come to God as he used the word of God as the plumb line for his life on how to live life. And, and what he would see is, God, I'm off here. This thing is missing. I fall short here. And so the plumb line of God's word would become the means by which Martin would admit his sins before God and confess them. Then finally he would request out of that passage. God, you know, this passage says that uh, as a man I should love my wife as Christ loved the church. First of all, I could worship him for the fact that the way that Jesus loves the church. (laughs) And I can thank him for the many ways I've experienced that love in his life as part of a church. I can admit that, Lord, I fall short in the way that I treat my wife. It doesn't look a lot like the way that Jesus loved his church. And so I'm confessing to Jesus where I fall short. And now I'm requesting, saying, Jesus, I'm asking you to do something in my life that makes me to love Kim more the way that you love Jesus. You follow me? This is the way Martin Luther handled scripture. He first of all learned what it meant. Then he warred through the text. He worshiped, he admitted, he requested. And men, if nothing else, and again, if even it's just a three by five card we carry with us all week as we review that passage over and over again, we begin to do war with that passage. God is going to equip us and make us adequate for the things God's called us to do. There's a couple other opportunities coming up. I just want to, I want to tell you about, Mike mentioned these a couple weeks ago and Uh, They're really starting this summer, and so I want to mention them. Right now, the Bereans class is going on, and and they're studying the seven letters in the book of Revelation that was written to the church. And in those seven letters, we learn about what Jesus thinks about church as he commends them and points out places where they're falling short. And as they study that, you'll be able to learn what Jesus thinks about the church today. So I think that's one opportunity for you to say, man, I, I want to get more into God's word, and here's an opportunity as a way to stimulate you on Sunday mornings. There's a class called Mere Christianity. Um, they're going to study C.S. Lewis's book on Mere Christianity, but what they're going to do is they want to show us that Christianity is logical, and it's rational. And using that book as the basis of discussion for them, um, that's another opportunity you're gonna have this summer if that's something you say, man, that's where I'm at and that's what I need. Finally, I'm gonna teach a class that I mentioned uh, near the end of last year if I saw enough interest and I got that on Bible study methods. And um, my desire is to teach people what I learned in seminary, boil it down and make it easy for the everyday person so you'll know how to study the Bible just like a pastor would. And um, there is going to be a limit to that class, so I'd encourage you to sign up sooner rather than later. 
because if the class gets too big, we'll um, lose the ability to um, really interact the way we need to, to learn rather than Pat lecturing up there. So those are three opportunities coming. And I gotta be honest with you, there's a lot of exciting opportunities coming our way this summer and uh, next fall. And one of the things that I hear from people is, well, I didn't know that was going on, or how do you sign up for that? Um, I want to help you with that this morning. Because we really do have ways of doing that, uh, ways that will help people know what's going on on a regular basis, both right now and what's coming down the road. Now, obviously, you can pick up this uh, bulletin when you walk in, this card that kind of on Sunday morning gives you a feel for some of the next steps and a couple things that are going on. But obviously, it's not big enough to do everything that's going on. So every Sunday, we send out an electronic bulletin, which you see, as a matter of fact, if you saw that this morning, you knew donuts were coming for you men already. And um, it tells us about what's going on that day, a little bit about what the sermon is. It talks about upcoming events that are taking place, family news. There may be major items happening within the church that have to do with families and people we know so that we can know what's going on. It tells us about our giving and links to giving. It even says if you missed last week, here's a link you can watch last week's message with. And so this weekly bulletin is a great resource that goes out every Sunday morning to the people in church. And I just encourage you, it, it probably will take you two, two minutes to get through. Uh, there may be some you say, well, I got an interest in that. I want to see more. And you push on that link because with this electronic bulletin, our links, you can open up to get more information about these classes and even to sign up for things you need to sign up for. So I want to encourage you with something. If you've got a phone, pull out your phone right now. This will only take a moment. Everybody's got a phone, pull it out. I'm going to give you a phone number I want you to put into your contacts. I think it's going to be up here on the screen. I actually put this phone number into my contacts, and this is what I put it. I put it as MVC text. So when you hear in the announcements, you know, if you want to become a member or you want to go to this class or if you want to be baptized, you know, just text us. The number's always the same. So it isn't a matter of, you know, because I get up there, whoa, what's the number? And I, by the time announcement's done, I say, I'm not sure I even got the number. I want us to have the number in our phones, put it in, put MVC text next to it, and so at any time that you want information about things that are announced and they say baptism or new members class or this class that's coming up or this certain event that's going to be there, you can always just pull out your phone and go to MVC text and put in that word. So this is the place I'd like you to start. If you don't get the electronic bulletin, I'd encourage you right now to text, MVC text, that number right in bulletin. And what you get in return is a link which you can fill in your email address and now every Sunday morning you'll get that and you'll know everything that's going on and you'll be able to sign up for classes and there's, like I said, 
there are so many exciting events coming up this year that uh, you want to be aware of. So I wanted to just do a little sidebar on that because it's, it's important for our church life as we consider walking and living life together and doing ministry together to be connected and informed on what's going on and find an easy way to get this information. So anyhow, as that said, you want to know more about those classes, you want to sign up for like mine, which the others don't require a sign up, mine does, that's the way to do it. Get on that bulletin and, and see what you can do. So the first way that God prepares us to be men addresses our sense of inadequacy and being ill-equipped is through his word. Now I want you to turn to a second passage that deals just with the fact of being equipped. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We'll be in verse 20. Now let me remind you of the definition of what it means to be equipped. It is to provide someone with what they need to make them ready to do what they need to do. Men, women, teens, children, what is it, your stage of life, what are you facing that God, that you need to be able to do what God wants us to do? Well, he tells us here in Hebrews 13, verse 20, listen to this. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep. Now here's the first thing we gotta remember. This is a miracle working God. He raised Jesus from the dead. And so now the God who brought up the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus the Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will. Note this, who's gonna equip you for this? God himself. This is a God who raises the dead. Is there anything you need that is more difficult to pull off than raising somebody from the dead? I don't know of anything. If he can do the greatest, all the lessers are a lot easier. And so here we got a God who can raise the dead, who says, I can equip you with everything you need to do my will. Every responsibility, every expectation that God puts upon us, he himself will give us what we need. How does he do that? Working in us. That which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's the indwelling Christ. Do you realize that God lives in you? This is one of the things we learn. We say the word of God, all scripture is profitable for teaching. Well, guess we just found out. God lives in the believer. The Spirit 
of Jesus Christ lives inside of us. And through the indwelling Christ, God does things in us that we can't do for ourselves as he equips us with everything we need to do everything he wants us to do. And not only to do it grumbling or complaining or just whatever, but do it in a way that's pleasing to him. That's amazing. That's a great hope. What a gift that God has given us, men, women, teens, children, to equip us for life. Let's deal with adequacy for a second. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Again, we're learning from the scripture, the written word of God, what God has given to us to make us adequate. Now, Again, just as a reminder, what does adequate mean? It's having the knowledge and the skills to be able to meet all that's demanded of us. So there's something inside me that's enough. I got enough. I got what I need. I can pull this off because God has given that to me to meet the needs. Now the context here is this. God is talking about that each believer really carries with them every place they go the aroma of God. There is a spiritual aroma that comes through us to those who don't know Jesus, the sense of death, and to those who know Jesus, the sense of life. And there's an aroma, there's a, there's a non-tangible thing that we don't understand that the Spirit of Christ living through us sends out some kind of whatever that's like an aroma to people of either Jesus or of death. And the question he asked is this, who's adequate for that? <laughs> Who is adequate for that? Who is adequate to put off a sense of the aroma, a sense of the life of Jesus, something coming through me that makes people think, man, that, that guy kind of looks like Jesus. The way he, his attitudes, his actions, his habits, his words, there's something about that that remind me of Jesus. And that's what he's saying. And, and, the, and the, also, who's adequate for this? Well, this is his response down in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says this, such confidence we have through Christ towards God, not that we are adequate in ourselves, to consider anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. We first of all found out that God instructs us and trains us on, on a way that we can be adequate and equipped. Well, notice the passage that deals with equipping has to do with God himself working in us through the spirit of Jesus. Notice the passage that deals with adequacy has the passage of the spirit of God causing the life of Jesus to come through us. He's the only one that can make us adequate. And there's a real, this is an important distinction to make because this is where so many of us make a mistake in the Christian life. Is our confidence in ourself or is our confidence in the one who lives in us? 
That is the decision we need to make moment by moment throughout life. Is my confidence somehow that I can do this? I got the tools, I went to school, I got the knowledge, I got the books. I've done this before, so now I'm starting to feel, I feel adequate in myself to pull this off. Or am I recognizing what God's calling for me is way bigger than just, um, what do you want to say, imitating what his word says. Actually, scripture said, Paul says, I'm, I'm in labor until Christ is formed in you. This is the very life of Jesus. Who's adequate to cause the life of Jesus to come out of them in such a way that the way they think and the way they feel and the way they act and their attitudes are all different? What God is calling us to, I love Howard Hendricks who say this, if you think the Christian life is difficult, then you're gonna try a little bit harder. You're gonna commit a little bit more. You're gonna be a little bit more sincere. But when you recognize it's impossible, what God is calling us to, you can't help but fall on your face and say, Jesus, you gotta do something in and through me that only you can do. And men, brothers, as we look at our responsibilities and what God calls us to do, we're gonna have a choice. Is my confidence in myself and my ability to pull this off and the books I can pull up and the resume I can provide? Or is my confidence in the fact that God himself lives inside of me and I'm gonna yield to and depend upon him to live his life through me? See guys, this is what happens. We get paralyzed when we see uh, these responsibilities and expectations. We feel inadequate, ill-equipped, so what do we, we get paralyzed. And we feel we're not enough and we just give up. Well, you know, inadequacy is a gift that God gives us to remind us to trust in Jesus. It's not designed to beat us over the head to tell us we can't do it. It's there to remind us of my need for Jesus. And so whenever I'm feeling inadequate or ill-equipped, that should be a reminder to me to not try harder and commit more and read more books and figure it out. It's a matter of trusting Jesus to do something in me that I can't do for myself that only he can do and he'll get the glory. You know, the one who does the work gets the glory. If I do the work, who gets the glory? Pat Pegwell, if Jesus does the work, Jesus gets the glory. So a lot of us think we're glorifying God because we're working hard and we're doing things excellently. Well, guess what? You'll get the glory for that. But if you're yielding to the indwelling Christ and he's doing a miracle through you and he does the work, who gets the glory? The one who does the work. And Jesus will be glorified. The core choice for every one of us, and this is my hope and prayer for today, that there'll be a shift at the core of our being. We still engage in life. This isn't a passive Christianity, but my confidence and my trust on the inside is not gonna be in myself, but in Jesus. We see this in Galatians 2.20. I'll put it up here. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's the first truth. Jesus Christ, the living God, now lives inside of the believer. The person I was has died and has been buried. I'm a new creature in Christ. Jesus lives inside of the new heart that I have. And the life which I live now in the flesh, 
the life that I live right now while I'm living in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You see, this is the way I want to illustrate. I want to illustrate this two ways and close. Are you living like a rowboat or a sailboat? You see, a rowboat, you do all the work to move the boat, right? And so I get in the boat, and I'm going like this. And if the boat's going to move, it's because I'm going to move. If the boat's going to stop, it's because I stop. Anything that happens to that boat is a result of my efforts. Now, a sailboat's very different. I got to do some work to get the boat in the water and I got to put the sail up, but my hope is the wind is going to move me. And we know what the scripture is called, the breath of God. And when the breath of God, when the wind of the spirit, and I got my sails up because now I'm no longer depending upon me rowing the boat hard enough, but I put the sails up and I'm trusting the wind of the spirit to blow through my mind and blow through my emotions and blow through my heart and to blow through my body. Guess what happens? There's movement in my life that comes from God and things happen and I'm transformed at the core of my being. You see, in the first one, a rowboat, I'm doing it for Jesus. What happens in the sailboat? Jesus is doing it for me. And so many Christians are trying to do things for Jesus. It's what the resurrected life is for. He's gonna do it for you. And are you depending, again, this is what are you depending upon? We still do the same external activities, but where's my trust in the core? Is it a rowboat? Is it on me living for Jesus and doing all this for Jesus? Who get the glory? I will. Or am I putting up the sails and depending upon the Spirit of God to breathe his breath into my life and to move my life in ways that only God can do? That's Jesus living for me. Let me try to illustrate this. I am a terrible artist. I really am. I do stick men at best. Now, this is what it would look like if I did Mona Lisa. I probably should have asked you, can you tell who that is? We wouldn't have gotten out of here until 10 o'clock tonight. That's my effort at Mona Lisa. I found this online of, you know, I said, give me a stick person to Mona Lisa. <laughs> and that, trust me, that's better than I can do, actually. But let, let, let's, let's see this happen. At some point, I opened up my life for the spirit of Leonardo da Vinci to come live inside of me. And now the next time, I come to the canvas with the paint, I got a choice. I can approach it like a rowboat, and I'm gonna try my hardest, and I'm gonna learn everything I can learn, and I'm gonna try to do this for Leonardo so he'll be proud of me. And so I'm working like a rowboat, and I pull out the paper, and I can do it like that, and even though Leonardo lives inside of me, this is what's going to happen. But what would happen if all of a sudden I say, you know what, I know Leonardo lives inside of me. And I'm going to yield to him 
to live his life out through me. And I'm going to rely upon him to do what I can't do. This is what the picture would look like. That's what Leonardo can do. And this is my point this morning, brothers and sisters. When we live life, we're going to learn from this book that God himself lives inside of us. And the biggest mistake that most people are making is they're trying to live for God real hard. And they're living like a rowboat rather than like a sailboat yielding to the indwelling God and relying upon him to do a miracle through me as I walk through life. And when I walk that way, all of a sudden as a man, when I face the responsibilities and expectations, I have the power of the Holy Spirit to help me with my walk with God. I have the power of the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the life of Jesus through me so the sweet aroma of Jesus would be sensed through my life. I've got the breath of God working in and through me to give me the ability and the adequacy to be a witness for Jesus Christ. When I'm trusting in the indwelling Christ inside of me, he gives me what I need to be a leader in my marriage, in my family, in my church, in my community. And we know from scripture again, well, what's a leader? Well, we come back to this book, we find out what a leader is. A leader ultimately is a servant that lays down their life for the ones that they're leading. We're servant leaders, we're lovers. <laughs> we're not the uh, taskmaster boss that's telling everybody else what to do. As a leader, we lead with our life as we're an example with our life and we lay down our life for the sake of those we're leading. So men, to do that, I learned from this book what that looks like, but I put up the sails and I trust the spirit of Jesus to do something in and through me that only he can do to make me the leader I need to be. How about our sins, men? Our struggle with sin. Well, guess what Romans 8 tells me? that it's the spirit of Jesus who lives inside of me, who breaks down the sin that's in my life and builds into me the very resurrected life of Jesus. And so I'm gonna rely upon, I'm not gonna go get my latest how-to book or fix-it book or try to follow 12 steps. Now there may be some wisdom of things I need to do, but it's not because I'm gonna commit out of that, it's because I'm trusting the spirit of God to do those things in and through me. Trusting him to fill me with his purity when I'm around women. His righteousness as I walk throughout the day. And I'm trusting him for the wisdom and the balance I need. How to do this work thing for eight hours and come home on empty. <laughs> now I'm supposed to be the husband and father that's one of my top priorities, even over work and I have nothing to give. My only hope is put up the sail. Say, Jesus, I'm on empty. If you don't fill me for what I need right now, for what my wife needs, what my kids need, what my friends need, it's not gonna happen. So brothers and sisters, that's my encouragement for you today. 
I hope you can remember moment by moment, you got a choice to make. Is your confidence in yourself or is your confidence in Jesus? And are you walking, as Paul said, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one who lives inside of me. So I'm gonna ask men in closing, if you will stand, I wanna pray for you guys because I love men. You guys are awesome. I get what it means to be a man. I understand the vulnerabilities. I understand the difficulties. I understand the temptations. And I wanna pray for you uh, that God will do things in us that only he can do. So Father, I wanna pray for every man that's standing here today. Lord, I wanna pray, I love the song. I pray that you would cause your face to shine upon them. Lord, I pray that they would know how much you love them. I pray that be something that the Spirit of God so deeply inbreds inside of them that they know that the God of the universe loved them so much that he gave his only begotten son for them. Then as Romans said, if, he won't, if he's gonna lay down his own son and give him, how much more will he not give you the things you need for life? So Father, I wanna pray, would you equip my brothers? Father, every one of us is in a different place, in a different situation, filling different circumstances, different responsibilities, different expectations. I wanna ask you, God, would you write this message on their hearts today? Would men moment by moment recognize, I got a choice. Am I gonna rely upon the indwelling Christ or am I gonna to try to pull this off for Jesus? And God, I pray that you would cause men to be men who rely upon the indwelling Jesus. God, do miracles in my brothers. Do miracles through my brothers. God, I pray that you would transform us to make us a blessing to those around us and that, Lord, we would be filled and blessed by the sense of your presence and love for us. I just pray in Jesus' name, amen.